Hey there, welcome to the Favorite Church Podcast. We are a church for imperfect people who want to know God and make Him famous. In this episode, we'll be revisiting a message from one of our Sundays in church. If, we haven't seen, if you haven't seen me before, my name is Kate, and I'm so, so glad that you are in church today. All our uh, people watching online, we're so glad that you have joined us as well. Happy Mother's Day again to all of our moms. And uh, if anyone missed out on getting their bunch of flowers, could you just give us a wave right now? We would love to get that into your hands. I think it took us a little bit longer than we expected, but please just give us a wave. We don't want anyone to miss out. Um, But shout out to all of you beautiful moms. We love you so much, and we're so grateful that um, Favor Church has incredible, godly, strong Uh, praying moms. And so God bless each and every one of you, whether you're watching online or you're in person right now, um, cheering you on, and we are praying for you. And we just want to say that we celebrate you today. Uh, Special shout out to my mom and to my (laughs) mother-in-law who's watching. Love you so much. Appreciate you so much, Ma. And also to Mila. Mila, I know that you're watching and you're watching with your kids. And I just want to say we love you. She's an incredible leader in our church. And I wish that you were here, and I can't wait to see you soon, but happy Mother's Day. Are you ready for the word? I feel like God's given me a good word for today. Are you ready? Are you feeling okay? Yeah? Good. Who's enjoying the service already? Wasn't worship beautiful? I love it. And let's do it. Okay, John 6, verses 1 to 14. Would you turn to John 6, verses 1 to 14, or you can look on the screen. John 6, 1 to 14. Okay, it says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with the disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. He said, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered around 5,000 people. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. Today, the title of my message is, This is all I have. This is all I have. As a mom, I feel like I say this phrase a lot. This is all I have. So I have the three kids that you saw up there. uh, 
an almost eight, a six-year-old, and an almost four-year-old. I don't know why we say it as parents. We say they're almost four. I think it's because it's like, I'm not happy with three, so <laughs> how the behavior is at three, so I'm really hoping that changes at four. So he's almost four. He was very rude and grumpy this morning, so I do apologize to everyone that he was rude to, my son. Uh, but I always say this one phrase, like, this is all I have. This is all I have. It's like my, my six-year-old, her voice is quite deep, and she, uh, she's like, Mom! You know, she shouts at me, mom, it's like super deep. And I'm like, yes, sweetheart, what is it? You know, I'm like, what, what? And she's like, mom, and I'm like, what is it? And she's shouting at me from the CR and she's mom, where's the toilet tissue? There's no toilet paper. I said, oh, that's what I forgot to get at the grocery store. <laughs> um, improvise what mom's just are amazing. We just improvise. Like, Here, here's some paper towel, you know, throw it at her. Or um, This is all I have. I throw it at her. It's like uh, any other kids, uh, parents with kids say like um, the toothpaste, it's spicy, you know. I don't know why they use that word. It's called peppermint. Uh, oh, it makes sense. Pepper. That makes sense, actually. Peppermint. <laughs> that just came to me now. How old were you when you, yeah, peppermint. No wonder it's spicy, but I'm, but what do I say back? Hey, that's all I have. This is all I have. Get on with it. You go. Ten, up the, ten down the bottom, ten up the top, you know, all that. So it's kind of stressful being a mom. It's kind of stressful because you need to have everything, you know. And there's been times where I really have not had everything. And one of the biggest, I would say, mom fails that I've ever had is when I had a flight back from Brisbane to Manila. So we had all, already moved here. And I'd already had Sienna. She was born in Medical City, Ortigas. Shout out. And, uh, and I'd already had her. And then about seven months later, eight months later, she was about eight months, my uh, grandma passed away in Australia. So I took just Sienna. James stayed here with Hope. And I took her back so that my family could meet her and that we could attend the funeral. Anyway, we're coming back from Sydney. You go from Brisbane to Sydney and then Sydney back to Manila. Eight-hour flight. And you've got to understand there's something about me that... I may not be the greatest of mums, but I am, I think, the greatest at packing a nappy bag, like a diaper bag. I am so good at packing diaper bags uh, because I write lists and I pride myself on just packing it super nice and neatly and never forgetting anything, right? So I would challenge any mum today. No, <laughs> actually, this is what I wanted to do today. No, uh, we'll have a competition. No, but I, that's one thing that I feel like I can do pretty okay. So I packed it. I got it ready. You know, it's just me and her. I'm trying to, like, pack it and get everything on the list. Okay, got it. So we get on the plane. And you know when you're by yourself on the plane with a little kid? Or you've watched, maybe you've just sat there with your newspaper and you've just watched someone do it. But, you know, you're trying, you put the kid down and then you're trying to keep the kid from falling off the seat because, you know, no one's helping you. And then it's like you're trying to get everything in the compartment up the top, and you're like this, and you're like trying to... And so, but the, the little mum hack that I've got is you pull out everything you need just in case you need it when they're taking off, right? Because you can't stand. You're not meant to stand, um, but you can't stand. So I'd pull out the, the, uh, the pacifier. I'd pull out the, you know, candy. She's eight months, but, you know, we might need it. Um, <laughs> We pull out the lollipops and we pull out, you know, the everything, the wipes, the, the um, bottles and the formula, everything. And I shove it in the, the place before me. And, and then I just like put the bag up. And I, and I, but as I was reaching in, I thought, where are the diapers? And you know what I did? I pulled out one. 
I pulled out one diaper. One diaper for an eight-hour flight. Let me tell you something about flying with kids. Thank you, Chinny, up the front here laughing at me because she understands. You need at least one diaper per hour of your flight. Let me tell you, if something's going to happen with a child, it happens on the plane. So you need, I needed at least eight, I would say, for that eight-hour flight. And I pulled out one diaper. Can you imagine the feeling that I had? It was like, you, are, you know when you talk to yourself and you're like having a fight with yourself? Like, how could you let us down? You know, like, you, and it's like talking to myself, like, I'm like, I know, I know, I can't believe it, you know, like, you had one job, and you're like, I know, you know, so I've got one thing. Someone has told me once, if you're in, if you need something, ask the flight attendants, right? So I said, lovely lady, I said, please, do you have any uh, diapers, you know, I just really need it, and she went away, she scurried back, her face was white, she looked like someone had died. She said, and I know she was a mum. I never asked her, but I just know it. It was like mum to mum. I'm so sorry. She said, I'm so sorry. I only have, this is all I have, you know, this is all I have. And let me tell you, it was the world's smallest diaper. It was for a newborn. And I said, I'll take it. I'll take it. Like my baby was chubby and big and like, you know, and I'm like thinking I'm going to have to squeeze that over her legs. I'm going to cut it up. I'm going to put it, uh, you know, loud scissors on a plane. Um, this is obviously BC before COVID. So I can't even remember what flying is like, to be honest. Uh, but I took that diaper. About a, uh, I'll just never forget the words that she said, the phrase, this is all I have. This is all I have because the diaper, you see the diaper in the, the flight attendant's hand, it didn't mean anything. It was like whatever to her. But to me, when she placed it in my hand, it meant everything. It's amazing how things that seem so small and insignificant in our hands, put in the hands of the right person, can produce a miracle. So I want us to look at the story uh, of the boy with the five loaves and two fish and uh, how something so insignificant turned into something so miraculous, and how this can be our story too. Is that okay? So my first thought today is give what you have to Jesus. Give what you have to Jesus. This little boy, he had five loaves and two fish, and because I'm improvising today, this is what I brought, some gluten-free pundasol and two cans of fish. Don't judge me, I was in a rush, and I thought, I don't like the smell of fish, so canned fish it is. And obviously the little boy didn't have a Ziploc bag, but you know, you get the point. So he has five loaves of bread and two fish. In the little boy's hands, this is just lunch, right? Just a lunch. But in Jesus' hand, it became a miracle that impacted thousands on the day and billions of us uh, from then onwards. Verse 11, it says that Jesus took the five loaves of bread and two fish and he held them in his hand. An ordinary life placed in the hands of Jesus turns extraordinary. Ordinary talent placed in the hands of Jesus turns extraordinary. Ordinary business ideas put into the hands of Jesus, look out, can be extraordinary. God uses ordinary people to accomplish extraordinary and supernatural things. 
And the Bible is full of these people. Anybody love reading about the ordinary people in the Bible? They're all doing great things for God, but they're ordinary people. One such man is Moses. Anybody love, I love Moses. His story begins uh, in Exodus. You can read all about him. I'm sure you've seen the, um, the Bible story of where the mom puts him in a basket and he floats down the river. Uh, but that's basically what happened because Pharaoh was trying to kill the Israelite babies at the time. And he was born a Hebrew, so he was in, in danger. So his mom put him in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter ends up finding him. She's like, uh, I want to keep this baby. Find someone to look after him. The, the sister of Moses finds Moses' mom and says, hey, she'll look after him. And she ends up raising him until she gives him back to Pharaoh's daughter and she adopts him. And so he lives in the Egyptian palace. And one day he actually sees, when he's grown up, he sees a, an Egyptian uh, beating up a Hebrew. And he is Hebrew, so he just he gets angry and he actually ends up killing this Egyptian. Anyway, Pharaoh is not happy. He wants to get Moses. So Moses flees to Midian. And that's a bit of the story of his life up until Midian so that I can, you can now get the context. Exodus 3 verse 1 to 2, it says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. The rest of this chapter is filled with this encounter that Moses had with God in the, the burning bush. And God's telling him about this elaborate story about, about his plan. He's, he's saying, you know, Moses, this is what I want to do. I've heard the cry of my people, and I want you to be a part of this plan. I want you to lead them out. But verse 1 that I just read out shows us that Moses is just a shepherd. He's just, he's like, uh... <laughs> I'm tending sheep, and the sheep that I'm tending aren't even my own. I'm like just looking after my father-in-law's sheep. So God's explaining this big plan to him. And I like to say that he has a bit of a Kate Aiton moment. And uh, do you want to know what that moment is? Exodus 4, verse 1 to 5. And so Moses like protested again, which means he's already said, hey, God, wait, what? This is his second time. He says, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Moses is talking about the Israelites. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Anyone ever have these moments where you're just like, God, I don't think you've got the right person, you know? Anyone? No, just me? Just Kate Aiden moments? Yes. Oh, God, you know, I don't really know if you know what you're doing, you know, have you seen what I'm like? And you've seen that, you know, I'm just ordinary. Well, this is Moses's moment. He's going, um, <laughs> hey God, within the burning bush, um, I'm very ordinary. Uh, and you're saying that I'm going to be involved in leading your people out of Egypt. Um, but then God cuts him off and says, hey, but Moses, what's in your hand? It's like, oh, just like, like a piece of wood, like this shepherd's staff. He goes, I want to use that. I want to use that. 
The staff in his hand was seemingly insignificant, but God wanted to use it as a powerful tool to do the miraculous. But first, but first, this staff, this wooden stick, it needed to be surrendered to God. It had to be surrendered. So as Moses threw down that staff, he was really surrendering all that he was. He was surrendering uh, what it, his identity as a shepherd, his, his uh, defense mechanism when he was in the desert. He used that, you know, his livelihood. That was his livelihood. He was throwing it all down. And he was throwing it down not knowing what God was going to do. He threw it down not knowing what God's plan was or what God's intention was, but he willingly threw it down. He willingly surrendered it over. He gave it to God in faith that maybe, just maybe, God would use it some way. That maybe, just maybe, God would use his life more than it was currently being used. Are we willing, church, to be like Moses and surrender all that we have in faith that God might do something miraculous with our lives. Would we be like this little boy that has the five loaves and the two fish and stand here today with what we have, even though it seems to be insignificant or small? And would we be willing to surrender it over to God? Never forget a In middle school, I went to a Christian school and they said, uh, we want to do chapel. We want to have, you know, a time of praising God and, um, and, and then someone will share a bit of a word. And, but we want to gather, you know, some of you students that know musical instruments and we want you guys to be involved. We want to have a band that's made up of uh, students. And I was like, oh, I have always loved to sing. I love it. I love singing. And my next door neighbor from when I was a little girl, she's like to my mom, oh, I can hear Kate singing again. (laughs) My mom's like, I'm so sorry. (laughs) You know, she really loves to worship. And my neighbor's not a Christian. She's like, okay. (laughs) You know, she's like, whatever. Uh, But it's like, um, I just said, look, I I can sing, but I'm not very good. And I am getting, currently getting uh, voice lessons, but I can actually maybe do that for, you know, the guys that were playing the musical instruments with some of my friends. And so we put together this little band and had all my classmates and all my friends standing there. And I remember as a middle schooler, passionately, some would say angry, but I would say passionate, <laughs> being like, come on, guys, come on, let's worship God, a bit like Elijah. Come on, God. You know, come on. And I'd be like, my God is big, so strong, so mighty. And they're like, you know, if you've ever sung to a group of middle schoolers, they're like, okay. I'm like, there's nothing my God cannot do. Don't you agree? You know, and they're like, sure. Can we go to like recess? You know, can we go to lunch now? But I had a willingness, not the greatest of talent, just a willingness to give God, to give Jesus the little that I had, even from way back being a middle schooler. I trusted at even a young age that the small that I had in my hand could be used for more. Jeremiah 17, 17 verse 7, it says, But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. Blessed are they. Proverbs 3 verses 5 to 6, a lot of you might know it, but trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. 
In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Today, you might be saying, you know, I just don't have the talent. I do not have the time. I do not have the resources. I don't have um, uh, the money in my bank. I would encourage you, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord as you stand here today and you surrender everything. What's in your hand to God? Trust in him. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Give him what seems ordinary or insignificant and watch him use it to accomplish something miraculous. Amen? Amen. My second thought for today is give thanks. Give thanks. Even when it didn't seem like much, even when it doesn't seem like much, give thanks. But even when Jesus, he held it in his hand, he still wanted to give God thanks for what he had. We see in verse 11, it says, then Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God. Wasn't a lot, but he gave thanks. Charles Spurgeon is a a preacher from the 1800s. He said, for five little cakes and two sprats, Christ gave thanks to the Father. Apparently, a meager cause for praise, but Jesus knew what he could make of them and therefore gave thanks for what they would presently accomplish. I'm so challenged when I read uh, this story about the little boy, and, and I'm so challenged when I read a quote like that, because how often do I praise and thank God for the seemingly insignificant things in my life? How often do I just stop? you know, in everyday life and just go, God, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for, you know, the shoes that I get to wear today. Thank you, Lord, for the the breakfast that I got to eat. And, you know, thank you, Lord, that that I actually, you know, can walk around, you know, things like that. There's no piano player. There's no haze. That was no haze, Athia, no haze. Uh, There's no haze. There's no band PJ building up in the background, making it like, come on, give thanks, you know. It's just, God, I just thank you. I thank you that even in the midst of a day that just seems like an ordinary day, I just want to thank you. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying don't just give thanks for everything, but give thanks in everything, in every season, in every season that you're in or that you go through, give thanks. In the mundane days when you're at work and you're doing the same thing, give thanks. When you're doing those house chores where you're just like, I really want to be doing this, but I'm going to give thanks because I have a house to do chores in. When I'm studying for an exam, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I actually got into this college or that I get to go to school to actually study for an exam. Or shopping for groceries. Man, what a privilege it is to be able to shop for groceries. But how nice to actually thank God in the midst of it. In everything, give thanks. And as I thought more about this story and I was planning and I thought, Gosh, my response can often be so different to Jesus' response in that moment. Because you see, Jesus, he thanked God before the miracle happened. 
But oftentimes, I will thank God uh, once my belly is full and I can see the 12 baskets being collected. Anybody else like that, where you actually see, you know, the miracle happen? Uh, I ask us today, as Christ followers, uh, can we give thanks in all circumstances? Or are we just ones that are going to give thanks when everything has worked out? Once the circumstances is gone and, you know, we've come through it, then we give thanks. Or are we going to give thanks in all circumstances? And I'm personally challenged by this. I'm so challenged by this um, because I don't want to have conditional gratitude. I, gosh, I don't want us to have a church that's uh, grateful conditionally. I, I, conditional gratitude is it's, it's more than just a gesture. Um, it's then a heartfelt appreciation. It's just like a gesture, like, oh, yeah, thanks, you know, then just heartfelt um, appreciation or that feeling of appreciation. And when I think of conditional gratitude, I think of the Israelites, the very people I was talking about before with Moses. I think of them because even after seeing all these miracles and God doing incredible things for them, they grumbled and they complained. They grumbled against their leader, Moses, and against Aaron, but no one more did they grumble against than God. Exodus 14, we can read about this incredible miracle when Moses uses that ordinary uh, uh, staff in his hand to lift it up above the seas and the seas part. This is the incredible miracle of the Red Sea parting and the Israelites escaping and then the, the waters crash down and the Egyptians are gone. This is an incredible uh, miracle that happens. Exodus 15, it tells us that Moses and the people of Israel are just having a big thank you party and they're just doing songs of deliverance. Uh, Miriam, Aaron's sister's over there with the tambourine. Come on, girls, let's sing. Woo! You know, and they're doing a favor girl moment over there. But at the end of the chapter, it changes. Like the mood changes. Because after the Red Sea, song of praise, we're so grateful, God, whoa, that's an incredible, that's a pretty incredible miracle to be a part of, let me tell you. Not really something you'd forget, but three days, he leads them three days away from the Red Sea, where they had no water. They couldn't find, I said that very British, they had no water. Sound like Anath, hello. They had no water, there was no H2O at all. Um, I can't stop now. There's, yeah, more. There's no water uh, until they get to uh, this oasis in Mara. So three days of traveling. Three days after the Red Sea, they get to an oasis in Mara. But the water is too bitter to drink. Exodus 15, 24, it says, Then the people complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink? They demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. And the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Again, something ordinary. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. So three days earlier, wow, miracle. Oh, my gosh, God, you're amazing. You've got out back. Oh, my goodness, you know, walking through dry ground and being saved from the Egyptians that are coming. Three days later, now we're complaining. I understand. I'm not silly. I understand that three days in the desert is pretty much all that our bodies could take. I, I read a lot about it. It's three days in the desert. Without, sorry, without water, you can go a bit longer without food, but without water, like that's pretty much, I said it again, water, but, um, that's pretty much all that you, our bodies can take. So I, I kind of understand that it was trying circumstances, but what I got out of this was, are we meant to just forget about being grateful in the tests of life? Are we meant to, to forget 
what God has done and to not be grateful when we're going through something. Philippians 2, 14, verse 16, it says, do everything without grumbling and or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And I feel it's like you could be looking back at me right now. Maybe you're at home and you're like, that's great, Kate. That's really great. But you have no idea what I'm going through. And I would so lovingly and kindly say, I don't know if you realize what Paul was going through at that time. Because this is something, this is a letter that he wrote in Philippians when he was suffering in prison. Not a really great mountaintop for him. wouldn't say it was his greatest, finest moment. He's really suffering in prison. He's really not sure whether he's going to be executed or whether he's going to be let go to further continue his work for the Lord. Yet, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that others may see you as a follower of God. When I look back at this story with the five loaves of bread and the two fish, I think about Jesus. And just before this, uh, the crowd came around and everything, Jesus had found out that his beloved uh, relative and his, the one that he loved, a disciple of his, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. So Jesus finds that out. Then he, all these disciples come back and he, they all talk about what they've been doing. And he says, hey, I think I might be next that Herod is looking for, so why don't we go? We'll go across the river. And they go to a deserted place. But I don't think it was just for Jesus' safety. I think he really felt like he needed to mourn because that was one of his really great friends. But then the crowds came, and we read that Jesus had mercy and compassion. And even in the midst of his grief, even in the midst of a really, really hard time, he thanked God. He said he lifted it up and he thanked God. He could have held the, the loaves and the fish. He could have held it and gone, are you kidding me now, God? Are you kidding me? Like, seriously, I've had the worst 24 hours, and now you're expecting me to do this. Like, come on, God, just make it happen. Like, no. He chose to thank God for what he had right then and there. As a mom, I think that uh, it's, it's hard to be a mom. And I say that often because I don't want, <laughs> there's no sugarcoating it, but it's the most wonderful thing I've ever done. But it's hard. And there's moments in life where you go with the kids, it's like, I prayed for you, but now I don't thank God for you. <laughs> You know, like, to be honest, when you've had a really bad moment in the mall or, you know, I've had some bad moments. We do not have enough time to go through or to hear all the stories. And if I was to pass the microphone around, we would be here all year. But who else has had just bad moments, even as a parent? Or it's just like, it's bad. It's like tantrums. I'm texting James, your child is crazy. Followed with like a gif of like a, you know, my mind is just blown. I'm out. Like, can we stop? I'm just not okay. But I'm, I'm so challenged because the child that I prayed for, I oftentimes don't thank God for them because they're disrupting my day or there's something's happened or they're making life a little bit more difficult than what I thought it would be. How can we know if our gratitude to the Lord is conditional? You just need to listen to what you're saying. 
Listen to what is coming out of your mouth throughout the day. Do you sound dissatisfied with what God has placed in your life? And I want to challenge us today to choose to give thanks for what we have right now. Choose to give thanks for that job that you did get, that pay rise that you did get, but now all you can see is the really annoying boss or that annoying colleague that you have to do life with, but you prayed for this job and God answered your prayer, but now you don't give thanks. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that college that you prayed you'd get into, I really want to get into it, God. And you get in, and then it's like, oh, I don't really want to do exams. It's so hard. This is my lecture, uh, you know, the tutorials and my groups really blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but you prayed that you would get into this college, and now you're not grateful. You're not thankful. That food that you ate yesterday, oh, yeah, it's okay. I just wish I had more. No, no, no. Be grateful for it. The kid that just spilt milk on your couch probably right now at home as you watch. I'm so sorry, first and foremost, that you have milk on your couch right now and that it's going to smell. But (laughs) that kid would probably grow up and buy you a new couch. So be grateful (laughs) even though you prayed for them. Or tell them that. Say, that's your 18th birthday present, child. I'm going to buy myself a new couch. (laughs) Even if what you have right now seems little or not much, would we give thanks? Psalm 34 verse 1, it says, the Psalm of David, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. David was saying, I choose not to have conditional gratitude, but I'm going to praise the Lord at all times. Can we acknowledge and thank God with what we have in our hand right now? Is that okay? And my third point is he will multiply as you obey. He will multiply as you obey. God always multiplies what we give him. He always multiplies whatever we give to him. Jesus used the disciples to distribute the bread and the fish. Could he have done it himself? Yes, it's Jesus. Anything was possible. He could have made the bread just a boop appear in their laps there you go you know all these thousands of people there you go you've all got your little serving like a, a bento box you know like oop, oop, there it is you know uh he could have said you know break one off and pass it along he could have done all of that but no he used the disciples in the miracle as the disciples obeyed Jesus made it multiply when we focus on what we lack or the weakness that we uh, the weaknesses that we have, it takes our attention off what Jesus has called us to do and puts it onto ourselves. Let me say that again. When we focus on what we lack or the weaknesses that we have, it takes our attention off what Jesus has called us to do, and it puts it onto ourselves. Second Corinthians twelve verse nine it says, and but he said to me. Paul is saying this about the Lord, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And here we see Paul is dealing with his weakness. He's dealing with it, struggling with it. But God is affirming him that his grace will get him through this time. In our weaknesses, we must trust that God's grace is sufficient for us. In the lack, Jesus did the miracle, and Jesus was glorified. 
uh, when we moved to the Philippines, and that was about seven years ago, and coming up seven years ago, uh, we re- I really felt that it was the right thing to do in God, obviously, otherwise we would never have come, but we really felt we heard from God to come. But that was such a big deal to me. That was my step of obedience. God, I'm coming. And we arrive here, and it's like I felt like I've done what I need to do. <laughs> God, like I, I don't really have much else to give. I am not super uber talented. I, you know, I try to speak English the best that I can. Pray for me with the Tagalog. I can't even speak English sentences sometimes. Uh, but, you know, I, I just said, God, I just, I don't have much. Like I just, and I just felt, and I was complaining a lot when we arrived. I'm like the Israelites. I'm like, God, I'm just, it's all new. I've got to have babies here. It's really hard. I, it's different. Um, the culture is different. I've always loved Filipinos. Um, my, we had a, a neighbor next door to my house when I grew up. She was Filipina, and she's amazing. And so I've always loved her food, and I've loved the culture. But it was new. it's different to live somewhere that you've never lived before. But I felt like I didn't have much to give. I didn't have, I was busy being a a mom to a newborn. And it was just like, I just felt so much lack and so much weakness that I was like, God, how could I ever help do anything? Like James is an incredible pastor, an incredible leader, and I'm trying to be there for him and, and do certain things to help with what was five people in a condo at the very beginning. But I always felt like, oh, God, I just don't have what it takes. I just don't have what you need, God. I'm having that Moses moment. I don't have what you need. And it was like, I just complaining one time to him. And it's like, God's like, hey, but you came and you, you moved, right? Is that all that I wanted you to do? And I'm like, I thought it was, God. He said, no. Have I told you to stop? serving me and I'm like no but what am I going to do you know everything seems different everything looks different he said well what have I put in your hand what have you got and I thought back to when I was in middle school I thought oh I have a voice it's not the greatest voice not you know the songbird of Manila but I have a voice and and I was willingly willing to surrender it to God when I was a middle schooler So what's changed? He said to me, what's changed? Now that you're here, what's changed? And so we started, you know, singing and it was awkward. And if you've not known the story, there was five of us in a room and we're singing and we're playing, James is playing guitar and I'm singing. I'm like, Lord, come back. I hate this. I feel awkward. You know, like we had some people join us for the first connect group that we had when we started over like almost seven years ago. And I just was like, I don't love this, but I shut my eyes. And it's like I, I was taken back to middle school when all my classmates are standing there. And I thought, if I can praise you, God, with all of my might in front of my classmates, which is quite intimidating if you've ever been in school, uh, I can praise you right now. So he said, and he said to me, keep showing up. Okay, God, I'll do what I can. I'll bring the ordinary that I have. So I kept showing up. Terry's here. Love Terry so much. But we kept showing up. We would sing together. Um, and, and we would try and sing and lead people into worship. And, and I just kept showing up. And then I had a baby. And so then she took over. And then she had a baby. And so I took back over. And we would just alternate trying to, to bring people um, into God's presence through worship. But it was what I had. It was, I felt like it wasn't enough. But God said, keep showing up. 
keep showing up, Kate, in your weakness. I am, my power is made known. It's going to show up. And so, and, and I stand here before you not to bring glory to, to myself because I'm a very ordinary person. But I kept showing up. I kept showing up just throughout the day, the, the weeks, the, the months of what now is this it wasn't always like that. It wasn't as exciting to come to church. It was hard. Like I said, my grandma passed away and it was like 3.30 in the afternoon, I got the phone call. And then, hey, Kate, you know, can you sing for us at 5 p.m.? Oh, okay. Things like that. It, was, it wasn't easy, but I kept showing up. Kept showing up as I was fully pregnant or I'd given birth and I kept showing up. Why? Because I trusted God that he would make up the difference. I wanted to obey God because I knew that he multiplies when we are obedient to him. And so I stand here as a very ordinary person, but I look out and I look at all of you and anyone that's online right now, and I look at the miracle and it blows my mind. It blows my mind that obviously it's not the Kate Ayton show, it's not because of me, James has done so much, but God's favor is on our church. God's hand of favor is here. There's so many, we've got an incredible team. There's so many different elements to why, why this church is what it is now. But, but I stand very humbled when I look at it and go, oh, God, I'm so grateful that I didn't just say, well, I'm done. That's all I've got to, that's all I've got to give. But I actually was challenged to continue to be uh, obedient and to show up. I wanted to say before we finish up in a moment, there's some parents, there's some dads and there's moms here. Keep showing up. Keep showing up for your family. Some bosses, you know, employers here. Keep showing up. Trust that God's going to make up the difference. Trust that God's going to do something within your business. Some teachers here. Keep showing up. You don't understand the impact that you're having. Education can turn around our nation. Keep showing up. Some college students or or teenagers, keep showing up. You won't regret being uh, applying yourself in your studies. You'll never regret it. God will honor you for that. Keep showing up. God is going to multiply as you obey. Amen? Amen. Well, in a moment, we're going to respond. And I I don't know about you, but I feel like I really want to respond to God want us to respond to him, maybe what's in your hand. Maybe you have some weaknesses and you're saying, God, I need your power and I need your strength to do what you've called me to do. But I just wanted to talk to anyone that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus in this place. Mm, he's so good. He's amazing. And at the age of nine, I gave my heart to Jesus and I've never turned away from him. It's the best decision I've ever made. And as I was thinking about it, I thought about John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did the ultimate, this is all I have. He said, this is all I have. I have my one and my only son. Because sin came into the world. It entered the world uh, when, through Adam and Eve. And, and the Bible says that for all of us, no one's exempt from this, All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. And so all of us are in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus. 
And God sent Jesus so that we uh, may, if we believe in him, if we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and Savior, and we believe in our heart that he was raised from the dead, then we too will be saved. And that brings us back into relationship with God the Father. And that is God's heart. And so I want to invite you today, if you've never done that before, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart as your Lord and your Savior, but you're saying today, yeah, I really am at the end of myself. I need Jesus. Or maybe you did this a long time ago and you're saying, I want to come back to Jesus. Would you just bow your heads right now? You're saying yes to Jesus. On the count of three, would you just slip up your hand? One, two, three. Would you just say yes to Jesus today? Yeah, I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're saying yes, God. I need Jesus. I need him in my life as my Lord and Savior. Just give, just give me a wave. Yes, Lord. Why don't we just pray? You repeat this prayer after me. Put your hand on your heart. Come on, church, repeat this prayer. Dear Jesus, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose from the grave on the third day. And so I ask you to come into my heart as my Lord and as my Savior. I need you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just thank God for every person? Thank you so much for listening in. At Favorite Church, we're a family, and we believe that the Christian journey should not be done alone. If something really spoke to you from the message, we would love to connect with you to talk it over. Or if you prayed the salvation prayer, we'd also love to be able to share more about the decision that you've just made. Please visit us at favor.church/next to learn more. If you want to share this podcast with a friend, simply tap on the share button and send it through. We love you. We're praying for you. Till next time.